Without further delay, please turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. And we'll read the, the entire chapter, Psalm chapter 1. But before we read this, the scripture, this portion of scripture, uh, let us go to the Lord in, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you as uh, we're reminded that we are but dust uh, before you. We're uh, weak vessels. Uh, we do not uh, perfectly uphold uh, the teaching of your word, your instruction. So we pray that you may uh, afresh, anew, renewed uh, uh, of your word in our hearts, that you may continue to work uh, through this uh, ordinary means, simple means of grace uh, to uh, continue to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. But we also pray for those whose heart have yet to be spiritually born and awakened by the power of your grace, that this word may uh, come with power in their hearts, dear Lord, that they may come to faith in Christ for your glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This is God's uh, authoritative word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. It has uh, been reported that um, a certain university in Florida requires all their students uh, to enroll in a course uh, titled, uh, What is the Good Life, in order to graduate. And apparently the, the idea behind this is before they enter the workforce, it would be beneficial for them to uh, be informed and equipped with an ethical uh, system um, by which they are able to make a reasonable um, ethically healthy and well-informed life choices. Uh, this course incorporates texts from various uh, humanistic fields of study, such as literature, history, philosophy, art, music, and religion. But of course, um, it isn't uh, necessary to become a university student to ask this question and to take a stab at answering it, because at one time or another, we all have posed this very question. What constitutes a productive and good life? 
So as the first psalm of the Psalter, this passage serves as an introduction to this topic. It does this by offering us two fundamentally competing understandings by way of contrast. So the first major point here is that there are two men with two divergent paths. There are two men with two divergent uh, paths. That is to say that there are two humanities outlined for us in this passage of scriptures with two conflicting paths. There are several observations from this text that support this first overarching thought. We begin uh, by noticing that it does not exclude anyone, but rather places everyone in two divergent humanities or, or groups of people with two conflicting paths. The opening verse begins by stating, Blessed is the man. He represents the first group, which is identified in verse 5 as the righteous, and in verse 6 it links uh, their path as the way of the righteous. While in verses 1, 4, and 5, the second group is uh, classified as the wicked Uh, classified as the sinners and scoffers, if you notice in verses 1 and 6 as well, um, that, I'm sorry, if you notice also in verses 1 and 6, it mentions their path as the way of uh, sinners and the way of the wicked. But we, we further gain a better picture between these two humanities by observing their divergent characteristics The righteous man's path is illustrated here by his refusal to accept the advice of the wicked and his refusal to adopt it as a pattern for the good life. Notice again in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of uh, scoffers, of the mockers. So for the righteous, the good life is not uh, the way of the wicked. But also the, the righteous is characterized as being blessed in this passage. The image of the tree uh, defines for us what it means to be blessed. Notice three important traits that this imagery provides. In the first place, to be blessed is to be characterized by a life. Notice in verse 3, he is like, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that uses fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. But also, to be blessed is is to be characterized by staying power or endurance or stability, marked by the phrase uh, that this tree yields its fruits in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither, thus enduring cycles uh, through different seasons of life. And thirdly, to be blessed is to be characterized by a meaningful purpose. By its fruit, by this tree, tree yielding its fruit, and um, by prospering in all aspects of life. And all that he does, um, he prospers. That is to say that a tree uh, bears fruit not for its own welfare, not for its own sake, but for the welfare of others, meaningful purpose. In addition, notice that they turn to two competing uh, sources. Um, Aristotle believed that the good life is the contemplative life, and that is to say that the good life for him was the life of the mind 
um, the life of human reason uh, was sufficient for him to discover moral and intellectual virtues by which we can pattern our lives after in order to live the good uh, life. But there is a, a surprising thing that occurs in verse 2. Uh, notice that the psalmist uh, does something surprising here. Uh, we should anticipate the psalmist uh, saying uh, something along these lines as a follow-up to verse 1. Uh, a bad company uh, corrupts good character. And also, uh, if you want to live the blessed life or be successful in life, then uh, choose friends of high moral character so that their godliness will uh, somehow rub off on you. Uh, this is uh, not uh, entirely an unbiblical thought. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. However, the psalmist does, doesn't turn to a human source, but instead the righteous resorts to something else. They resort to a divine source. Notice in verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That is to say, he delights in the mind and the will of God as revealed to us in his written word. The word uh, law here um, uh, is, is the Hebrew word uh, Torah, and it can mean a specific command. Uh, however, it's, it's used, especially in Psalm 119, to also include the entirety of God's word. So the entirety of God's counsel is in view here. And we notice that um, the centrality of God's uh, written revelation, which reveals his mind, which reveals his thoughts, uh, especially concerning about the good life. So we have the centrality of, of Torah here, uh, which is the covenant instruction of God's word. It is God particularly speaking uh, through, um, uh, uh, through uh, and revealing his uh, covenant of grace here. For this reason, no one uh, should ever think that we receive a blessedness because we deserve it. This is uh, based on God's uh, grace here. Uh, he's resorting to some uh, source outside of himself, this righteous man. Uh, this should remind us of uh, Joshua 1.8, where it says, uh, where Joshua writes, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Not just a specific command within the law, but the entirety of God's written revealed will in that particular uh, time. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So the righteous takes great pleasure in the mind and the will of God, as the tree avails itself of an outside source, it avails itself uh, of water and nutrients where uh, these water and nutrients uh, feed and, and nourish uh, the tree. Here, Calvin makes a comment here that the psalmist teaches us how impossible it is for anyone to apply his mind to meditation upon God's law who has not first withdrawn and separated 
himself from the society of the ungodly. So a fuller picture of the righteous emerges and can be summed up as the good life is, 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 a, is one who's in a state of well-being characterized by life, characterized by endurance, uh, uh, staying power, uh, stability, and meaningful purpose, and also by emotions. We know that uh, currently we use the word happy uh, strictly in emotional terms. But uh, here, uh, the person is also is being characterized jointly by emotions ranging from contentment to intense uh, joy. Notice and again in verse uh, 2, he, uh, the righteous man delights in the law uh, of the Lord. However, the wicked are the opposite. The wicked are fruitless. The wicked are rootless. And they serve no good purpose according to this passage. Notice in verse 4, The wicked are not so, but are like shaft that the wind drives away. There is a certain stage where a, a shaft is separated from, from grain. That stage is called winnowing, right? And uh, the shaft is the unedible portion, is the lighter portion of, of the part of the husk of the grain. So uh, when the wind uh, drives it, 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 the shaft, is, because it's rootless, it will, uh, um, it will be driven away it, because it is rootless. And it also serves uh, no good purpose here. However, we have a great dilemma here in this passage. We have a great dilemma. How can someone come to be as blessed as this man? Because here it's describing the righteous man. is a, a description, a portrait of a righteous man. So how can someone come to be as blessed as this man? Especially when we take into consideration Paul's epistle uh, to the Romans where in chapter 8, verse 7, he reminds us that for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So mind and heart are at enmity with God. It says here, and the way of the wicked is further expounded in the following chapter, in Psalm chapter 2. It, it, tells, it tells you there, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Notice the word plot there is the same word that is used in Psalm chapter 1, uh, for uh, the Hebrew word for meditate here, that... Um, they, they plot, they, 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 they uh, uh, meditate, they, they're thinking and scheming uh, about uh, how to do what's, what's described here in verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, against his anointed king. That means that the wicked, the sinner, the scoffer, is at war against the rule of God, is at war against the reign of God, and also against his anointed king. 
I remember uh, sometime immediately after my uh, conversion, I, I longed to emulate the blessed man after reading uh, this psalm. And perhaps the same, uh, the psalm awakened the same desire in you as well. But uh, there's no person that, that perfectly fits this profile in the scriptures. And I, I naively thought that I could be that perfect person. But there is one. This passage ultimately speaks of an ideal righteous person. And it's already I have already mentioned him, alluded to him in, in Psalm chapter 2, verse 2. This ideal righteous person is a portrait of Christ. It is a portrait of Christ. So it's describing a Christ and ultimately in chapter 1, he is the true tree. He is the true uh, ideal uh, tree in this uh, passage. So how do we become blessed as this person here? How do we become blessed? The Hebrew word for blessed is ashri. And chapter 2 gives us an indication how we can attain to this uh, good life. Notice in verse 12 in that, uh, chapter 2 in Psalm, uh, chapter 2, verse 12. It states there, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. You notice that chapter 1 be- begins by saying, blessed is the man. And this uh, chapter 2 ends by saying, blessed are all who take refuge in him. You see a further refinement in the definition of uh, the, 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 the blessed man, the blessed man in the passage of chapter 1 here. Those who put their trust and faith in Christ. It is speaking and, and is pointing us to Christ, you see. Christ is the uh, idealized uh, righteous man and the righteous man who hung on the tree, for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins. And it calls us to trust in him in this uh, passage. It also, uh, Psalm 32 is another portion of scripture that speaks about the blessed person. Psalm 32, chapter uh, verses 1 and 2 states that the blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So the righteous man, the righteous man chapter, uh, Psalm chapter uh, uh, 1, also uh, uh, points us to uh, a saved uh, person, a person who has come to Christ um, by faith and repentance. So the path uh, to, bless, to a blessed life, to a good life, um, in this passage, but this passage in chapter 1 of Psalm also uh, discusses uh, the path of destru- destruction. The path to blessed life and the path to uh, destruction ultimately leads to two uh, destinies. Notice in verses, uh, the last uh, couple of verses in chapter 1, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Notice that we have uh, two destinies, uh, the fate of the righteous and the fate of the wicked. The righteous will receive a full reward. And it appears here that they seem to uh, triumph over the uh, sinful mockery of, of the wicked at the beginning of this uh, chapter 1. Here it's alluding to the consummation, apparently. Uh, here it's, it's dealing with the great day uh, of judgment, where God will finally uh, uh, separate uh, once and for all uh, the righteous and uh, the wicked, and the righteous being recipients of God's divine uh, grace. See, the fa- uh, fatal problem with the humanistic path is that it reduces uh, our need of a Savior. We think if we can cleanse our own hearts through changing our behavior, then we do not uh, need the provision of uh, purification that God has provided for us in Christ. The humanistic path does not take us to Christ, who is the only one who can cleanse us of our sins and deliver us from its power and guilt. The humanistic path is devoid of the power of the cross. So in this text, it is important to demonstrate that we all fall woefully short of living up to the way of the righteous. But this text also displays for us that only Christ lived out flawlessly the righteous life. He alone impeccably delighted in God's law. Therefore, he is the true tree of life who can only impart genuine fruits of righteousness in us by faith. He alone can make us into a congregation of the righteous so that we can all stand in the great day of judgment. He alone allows us to answer in the affirmative the Apostle John's question in Revelation chapter 6, verse 17. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? We are able to stand because of his life, because of his vicarious death on the cross, and because of his resurrection. Paul, cites, uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 11, and he says about us, about the redeemed of this passage, that we are pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And the people of God said, Amen.